Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the epistles, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. Listen again for God's holy word. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. And now he has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you, as Christ's representatives, be reconciled. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Well, for the past month or so, you know, we've been talking about this jubilee, this Sabbath of Sabbaths, a season for rest renewal and redemption, a time of recovery, redistribution, and reconciliation. It is, in a sense, a societal reset, a returning towards each other and towards God's intentions for creation. And today we close out this chapter on Jubilee by talking about family reunions. Did you see that, what the choir did? A family Reunion, because the Jubilee year is a sort of family reunion. In our reading from Leviticus 25 this morning, the cages read, it says not once but twice, it will be a Jubilee year for you. You must return to your family property and to your extended family. Now, family reunions can be stressful for a variety of reasons. But for many people, they've become even more challenging in the last several years because of the growing political divide in this country. I want to give you a concrete example of just what I mean. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a letter to the newspaper columnist Annie Lane, who's the modern-day Ann Landers. It begins, Dear Annie, my family is divided politically and religiously. Dominant larger group is cohesive in their views, and I'm polar opposite. The larger group sometimes shares political views over texting that I find offensive and troubling, and I've asked them several times not to include me. However, these texts still come my way occasionally. Several weeks ago, yet another message came to the group text, and I hit the roof. I chastised the sender, reminding her yet again that I had repeatedly asked not to be a part of these messages, and a minute later she wrote, so sorry, saying that she accidentally used the wrong group to send the message to. I found her apology disingenuous and inadequate, but she, with backing from the core group, said I needed to respect other people's opinions, accept her apology, and move on. I removed myself from all our family text threads to avoid it happening again. Here's the rub. 
I offered to host a family reunion in my town in a few months. But since at least three of us are on the outs, I've lost interest in hosting it, and frankly, I'm so worn out by them. Why do I try so hard to be accepted and included in this family? Should I cancel the reunion? Sincerely, at a stalemate. Annie's response begins, Dear stalemate, we all know that politics and religion are two of the topics best avoided at the dinner table. Maybe the same in this day and age goes for not discussing politics or religion during texts or family Zoom calls. At a minimum, it's best if the people who agree on political matters have their own text group, as political discussions have become so divisive today. Don't cancel your family reunion. Just spell out the ground rules in advance, such as no political arguments, and you'll be surprised by how the feeling of being worn down will disappear. On the other hand, if there are objections and some insist on having political arguments, then go ahead and cancel the reunion. Sincerely, Annie. As I read this letter, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, is this representative of our larger society? How are Americans, generally speaking, responding to situations like the one described in this letter? And I found a poll from Harris Poll. It was done just a few months ago. And they surveyed Americans across four generations about their opinions on uh, talking politics. Younger Americans, it turns out, are more likely to try to avoid potential conversations or even walk away in the middle of a conversation if it gets political. Four in 10 Gen Z and millennials, that's ages about 18 to 40, say they dread holiday gatherings due to potential political discussions. And just over half of Gen Z say they've actually skipped a family gathering to avoid talking about politics. Gen X and boomers, on the other hand, are more likely to act as peacekeepers. Seven in 10 older Americans say they avoid talking politics mostly to keep the peace and nearly the same percentage say that they change the subject if politics comes up. After reading this, it seems to me that as a nation, we've decided to follow the advice of Dear Annie. Don't talk about politics with people who may disagree with you, and if anyone tries to, walk away. But I wonder, is this really the best we can do? For all our fear and avoidance when it comes to talking about politics, the data shows that most of us actually want to try. More than three quarters of Americans agreed that when I discuss politics with someone, I'd prefer for other people to be open to listening to different ideas than for them to agree with me. And about six in 10 Americans said, I wish I knew how to talk to people better on the other side of the political divide. We want to be able to have these conversations with people who think differently than we do. The problem is that we've forgotten how. There's a growing industry of organizations whose mission it is to encourage healthy conversations across political divides and decrease polarization one conversation at a time. 
one of the most well-known organizations doing this work is Braver Angels. I want to offer a disclaimer that there are legitimate critiques, what I consider legitimate critiques of Braver Angels. For instance, some believe that their approach can be too binary, leaning too far into the red versus blue framework and preventing us from having more nuanced conversations about our political divisions. There's also criticism that their approach can create an unsafe environment for people with marginalized identities. And so, while you shouldn't take this as a full-throated endorsement of Braver Angels, I do believe that they are doing some good work and that they offer a four-step model that can be a helpful guide as we think about how how to have these conversations in our own families and homes and neighborhoods and even our own church. When someone shares their political opinion with you, the first step is to clarify. Listen to them with genuine curiosity. Instead of formulating your response in your head, really listen. Seek to understand what the other person is saying. If you need to, ask follow-up questions with good intent. That is, not to criticize or to mock, but really to understand. When they've finished, paraphrase what they've said and ask, did I understand you? Did I get your perspective right? Step two, agree. You don't have to agree about everything. You don't have to agree with their conclusion on the issue, but is there something you can agree with? Does your family member think that the election was stolen? Acknowledge that it was an unusual year. Does she think that all Republicans are racist? Acknowledge that some GOP lawmakers have behaved badly. When you're really stuck, fall back on the I agree this is a difficult issue response or find a common goal or value that you can agree on. Step three is to pivot. This is the moment in the conversation where you see if they're willing to listen to you. So ask them, are you open to hearing my perspective about this issue? If so, move to step four, where you offer your perspective. And when you share your perspective, it's better to be subjective and uh, story-driven than cite facts or statistics. Rather than trying to make a logical argument for your view, instead share How does this issue impact you? How does it make you feel? With those four steps, you can try to have healthier political conversations at your next family reunion. Now, each of us can make a difference in our own individual behavior if we change the way that we approach these conversations. But the reality is that we also need to address this problem systemically. So is there a way that we can create change on a bigger scale? In 2022, my friends, uh, Jen Cohen and Dan Terrell, founded the Ohio Democracy Project, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization committed to upholding democratic norms in Ohio. And they're currently, among their projects, working with a video game developer and a Stanford researcher, that's right, a video game developer and a Stanford researcher 
to create and design a game that's intended to decrease toxic polarization. And this spring, you will have an opportunity to be part of the very first group to test this game and to participate in conversations about it. If you choose to participate, it will help you understand polarization better. And it will help you better inform others, your friends, your family, about how polarization works. And importantly, it'll also help researchers develop more effective solutions and interventions to the problems that are plaguing our society. We'll be providing more details in the coming weeks about how you can sign up to participate in this important work. We started this whole chapter on Jubilee by saying that this Sabbath of Sabbath is meant to be an invitation to return creation to what God intends it to be. While I don't believe that God intends for all of us to be the same or to think the same way, I do believe that God intends for us to be reconciled to one another, to listen to one another, and above all, to love one another. So may we be a Jubilee people, forgiving debts, seeking justice for all people, healing the earth, and loving even our neighbors who we disagree with. This I deliver to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.